We're going to get started this morning. Like I say, Pastor Keith will be back next week. Uh, he's entrusted me with y'all this morning, so we're going we're gonna to have fun with this. I, I very rarely get to do a sermon that you can have fun with. And that's today, I think, is one of them. Uh, I ain't going to be stepping on no toes and none of that kind of stuff. But then again, you can't fire me anyway because I, I, I ain't on the payroll, right? Uh, but I, I told the earlier service too. I said, I said I used to be, I used to be scared to get up in front of folks. I was afraid they'd throw tomatoes at me. And the spirit fine told me, well, just make a salad with it if they do. So don't be no big deal, right? That'll be your payment. Anyway, we're going to be looking at convictions this morning. Remember, also remember, you know, next week uh, the times are going to change. You'll be getting out a little bit sooner. Uh, today's not one of those days. No, I'm just playing. Actually, I'm going to try to go ahead and get us on out of here a little bit quicker. In fact, I didn't go back to the bathroom a while ago, so if I get to fidgeting, y'all just think it's the spirit moving on me, okay? So anyway, we're going to try to get this thing over with this morning. Uh, but I hope, to have, I hope to have fun with it. We're going to look at convictions. Y'all know what a conviction is? You know, you, you have, uh, I, I, looked up, I looked up the word conviction. Now, there's actually two meanings to it. One of them, of course, is uh, being convicted of a crime in a court. You know, where uh, you've uh, been co- convicted of a, a certain crime by your peers. Uh, yeah, I was telling the other ones, you know, it's sort of like when I went for an interview one time for a job, they asked me if I'd ever been convicted of a felony. And I said, convicted? And no. Uh, they didn't ask me if I ever committed a felony. They said convicted. I've never been convicted, praise God, right? Um, but that is a conviction. The other conviction, the other one, is being uh, having a, a high standard, a holding to a high standard, a belief. So what I want to look at this morning is our convictions. Now, if you've ever been born again, has anybody ever been born again? Okay. Uh, now, if you've been born again, then you've had a conviction, right? You had to be convicted, like the first part of the uh, definition of convicted, you had to be convicted of sin, right? You had, to, you had to realize that you have committed sin, you are guilty as charged, right? But our faith is held in another conviction that Jesus Christ has paid our fine for us. Y'all with me? So if you've been born again, you've been through some convictions. You've been through a conviction that you needed a Savior, and then you've been convicted that Jesus is one that you hold to a high standard of belief that he is the one that saves us from our conviction. You with me? Okay, so we also get convictions of things to do. So, Pastor Keith, I, I'm, I'm actually following up on some of the things that Pastor Keith's already been preaching to us for the last few Sundays about laying up treasures in heaven, right? So, if you lay up treasures in heaven, you got to do things here on earth. Remember, we've been, we've been talking about this, right? So, what we want to look at this morning is, and we're going to lead it all up to our final sentence, our final phrase that I hope everyone in here can grab a hold of so that we can make it to this point. Anyway, you're going to have a conviction of things to do. It's not always necessarily just something that you would run with yourself, but it may be a conviction to help someone else, okay, to lay up treasures in heaven. What's treasures in heaven? 
What's treasures on earth? We have gold and silver and diamonds and rubies and all that. <laughs> That's gates, walls, and pavement in heaven. Right? I also remember about eternity. Eternity of what some of us are referring to as heaven is not the third heaven like what's now. We'll be living, John the Revelator said he saw the new heaven and the new earth and the new holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. We will live on a, on a, a new earth, the earth before, like the earth before sin, the way God intended for it to be. We will live there on a new earth and we will have things to do. Y'all with me? So, laying up treasures in heaven. Well, if it's got, if it's got streets of gold and, and, and walls of jasper and, and gates of diamonds and all that stuff, all rubies and all that, all that stuff, what's the treasure in heaven? It's souls. It's people. It's you and I. Laying up treasures in heaven. Let me tell you something. This is what I want to see. I hope that in the process of my life here, that I can win some souls to heaven so that when I get in the eternity, I can have someone come up and say, thank you. You know, I've already got that person. Most of you probably have that person, right? And we're going to lead up to it this morning. We're going to look at some things. But convictions, that's what we're going to look at this morning. Let's look at our, our first scripture. Now, I like this scripture. And let me lead you up to this one so I can insert my name in there someplace. Maybe you can insert your name into it. But let me tell you what happened to me. When I first started going to church here, I, I don't remember if it was 2001 or 2000. 2000. It was June of 2000, I believe it was. May or June. We've been here, oh, we've been here a while now. But it was when we first moved to the, to the downtown campus, that building out there. And if any of you ever been around back in them days, there wasn't a bunch of parking lots and everything back in. It was all grass. And we've been going to church there for three weeks, and ain't nobody cut the grass. And uh, so I approached Pastor Keith and said, uh, huh, what about the grass? You know, he said, we've been needing somebody to cut it. Thank you. <laughs> I said, well, I was wondering who's going to cut it. He said, thank you. Yeah, you, you're the one. I got convicted to cut the grass. Well, guess what? I did. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start cutting the grass for you since I done mentioned it, right? So uh, where's the lawnmower stuff? In lawnmower. You got to bring your own. Oh, okay. We might buy a lawnmower one day if we can get enough offering. You know, I mean, back in the day, we didn't have many folks, right? So I started cutting the grass. Well, I don't know if y'all remember it or not. Most of you probably don't because you wasn't the one at the time. It was me. I remember it very clearly. In the summer of 2000, every Friday evening, see, I, I worked two jobs. I farm on the weekends. I got a lot of stuff to do other than that. I ain't got nothing to do. The only chance I had to cut the grass was Friday evening. I wanted to cut right before Sunday, right? So I cut the grass on Friday evening. I tried to get for about 5 o'clock, maybe be done by 6.30 or 7. Did it every Friday evening. In the, in the summer of 2000, in downtown Arab, it rained from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock every Friday evening. 
So guess what? I cut the grass in the rain. Now here's what I'm, I'm driving. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. When I was doing it, I get out there and do it. Oh, I, done, I, done, I done mouthed up now. I've got to do it. So I'm out here doing it. And I'm wanting, I take my halo off. I'm wanting somebody to drive by and see me cutting the grass in the rain. I wanted somebody to know that I was doing this for my Lord. Right? Well, guess what? When you got that kind of attitude, you ain't. God was teaching me a lesson. And it's, you know, I have these hard lessons to learn. I always learn stuff the hard way, but it gets sunk in this old thick head when it does, right? I wanted somebody to see me cutting grass in the rain at Liberty Church to know that this redneck was doing something for God. That was the deadest part of town every Friday, and there nobody ever drove by. <laughs> and you know what? Looking back on it, if they had it, they probably said, what's that stupid redneck doing cutting grass in the rain? I mean, think about it. I want y'all to grab this this morning. Think about it. I was trying to do what I was called or convicted to do because I was holding up to what God was calling me to do, even if I ain't doing nothing but cutting grass, and I had to do it on Friday in the rain. But if somebody would have gone by, they won't know what that idiot doing cutting grass in the rain. See, two, two different mindset concepts going on here. But we're going to lead up something with that. Let's look at our scripture. But Martha was distracted with very much serving. So Forrest was distracted with very much grass cutting. And he was approached by him. And, and, he, and she approached him, speaking of Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Martha's tore up. She's working. She's doing things. She is, she, is, she is doing the best she can to serve her Lord and the people around, and her sister won't help her. And she's ticked off. Let's look. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. I was riding around on that lawnmower, and he was saying, Forrest, Forrest, you worried about many things. You are worried and troubled. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You see, what this scripture was telling me, still is telling me, I got things to do. God's called me to things to do. I've got things to do. You've got things to do, right? But sometimes some of the ones we think ought to be helping us, they might be sitting at the feet of Jesus. It might be their time for that. That's what Mary was doing. Martha wanted, Martha wanted Jesus to kick her up from sitting at his feet and make her go over here and serve what she's doing, her calling right now. Let's do it right now. I can't get it no quicker. Right? How many times have we been in that place? Let's look. Our next screen. The life of Joseph. We're going we're gonna to look. We're going to do some comparison this morning. Well, I want you to... I want us to look at some things. Um, the life of Joseph is Genesis 35 through 50. If you get a chance, if you hadn't already studied it, you hadn't got a chance to read it, sometimes you get a chance to read it about Joseph. Joseph is over 100 types 
of Christ. Our next screen. He's over. He, the types of Jesus portrayed by Joseph, over 100. We're only going to look at four of them this morning, okay? But there are many, many types that's portrayed by Joseph. And one of those, let's look at it, is loved by the Father. So let me give you a little background on this just in case you don't know this. Joseph's father is Jacob. He is, he is the uh, Isaac's son. He is the one that got his name changed to Israel. Now I want to throw out, I want to insert something right here for you so you can get a little bit of understanding of what's going on. Uh, he wound up getting his name changed to Israel. It was Jacob who changed it. Once his name was changed, I want y'all to see this. When you're reading this, when you're reading all about it, I want you to see how when Jacob was operating in the flesh, he was referred to as Jacob. When he operated in the spirit, he's refer he was referred to as Israel. You see, and it ought to be a lesson to us to understand that how things operate when we operate in the flesh and how things work when we operate in the spirit. And when we're working things of the spirit, you better operate in the spirit because if you're working the things of the spirit in the flesh, they're not going to work right. And you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get aggravated. And you're going to do like I've done on many occasions. You're going to want to quit. Right? Jesus was also loved by the Father. Joseph was loved by his father. And we are loved by the Father. Let's look at this. Jacob had to work seven years. He, 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 his father-in-law, he told me he'd work for seven years for Rachel. When he worked seven years, when the marriage come up, after, the, after he went in, they was veiled. You know, they wore, they wore a real veil, you couldn't see. And after the marriage ceremony was done, he raised the veil, and there was Leah. And, man, I could just see him going, God, what, I wanted this pretty thing, and here's this ugly thing. I don't know if Leah's ugly or not. I'm just playing with you. But it ain't the right one. He just got a lesson in inheritance. It said, this is my oldest daughter. She had to be married first. And also, Jacob was a trickster also. That's what the name Israel, uh, Jacob means is trickster. Israel means the blessed God. He was changed, right? But anyway, that was just a lesson. I'll throw that in for free. But anyway, he had to work seven more years in order to get Rachel. And then it was seven more years before Joseph was born. 21 years altogether. And when you use the numbers, three is the divine number, seven is the number of completeness. And when you look at three times seven is the divine completeness in order to get Joseph. This, this, this process I'm telling you about Joseph being a model and a type of Christ, man, I, I'm telling you, it, it's really something to it. Okay, we ain't got time to go over all the mechanics with it this morning, but I will tell you this much: every time I've studied, every time I've studied the word in mechanics, it's right on, right on cue. Every time I've studied it with mathematics, it's right on cue. I've even studied the Bible using quantum mechanics, and it's perfect. It's something else. The Word of God will blow your mind when you really study it. It really will. But Joseph, loved by his father, 21 years he waited for him. 
He had other sons, right? He had other sons leading up until Joseph. But Joseph was the prized son. And he gave him a coat of many colors. Let me give you a little uh, insight on that. It wasn't necessarily a, a colored up coat. The coat of many colors, that was a, that was a reference to a prized, seamless, one-piece robe that was, everybody, I mean, it was a, a prize, if you will. And that's what Joseph had. And Joseph had dreams. And Joseph had callings and convictions and everything of God. And he was going to rise up through his dreams. In his dreams, he was going to rise up above them and be a ruler over them. And they didn't like it. He was loved by the Father. Jesus was loved by the Father. Y'all believe it? You know why? Let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me let, me let you a little inside of this Jesus guy. He's everything. He's all. He's the voice of the burning bush. Everything that's ever been made or created, as far as the Hubble telescope can see, which is 14 billion light years, everything was made and created for him, by him. The Gospel of John tells us that. He's the voice of the burning bush. He's the voice that said, let there be. But when he was baptized, there was another voice. There was the voice, the one-time audible voice of the Father that's recorded in the Bible. Come down out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Loved by the Father. You are loved and I am loved by the Father. The Bible tells us that too. Where does it tell us that? Jesus himself. In John 3, 16, said, God so loved the world. That's you and I. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever shall believe in him shall not die, but have everlasting life. We are loved by the Father. So when we start working these convictions, remember one thing. The Father loves you. Y'all with me? Let's look at the next one. Hated by his brothers. His brothers hated him for the things he said. He was, just, he, he was trying to reveal to them what God has revealed to him. And they don't want to hear it. Jesus was hated by his brothers. Jesus was hated by Israel. Jesus was hated by the world. He even told us, he said, he said, you follow me? He said, they hated me? Guess what? They'll hate you. The world don't like you. You know why? Because you are a standing testimony of the righteousness of God. And the world don't want to hear it. That's just the way it is. And Jesus forewarns us. And we have to remember, even though Joseph was hated by his brothers, and you will be hated by the world. God loves you. And he says, stick to my plan. Stick to what I'm calling you to do. Stick to your dreams. Stick to your convictions. Stick to your calling. And Joseph stuck to what God gave him through this. Let's look at the third. And ain't before him. We're already on the third one. We might get out of here early. Y'all going to get mad at me? Oh, we probably won't. 
I'm just playing with you. Sold into slavery. Joseph was sold into slavery. In fact, let me show you the model of this. This model and type of Christ. His brothers sold him. See, Jacob sent him to go check on the brothers. And when he finally found them, he had to go to another place. And anyway, you have to read it. He put around there and he found them. And when he found them, when he come walking up, you know what the brother said? Here comes the dreamer. Right? They didn't like him. They wanted to get rid of him. In fact, they wanted to kill him. But he was saved by the eldest, Reuben, the oldest one, the firstborn. Reuben said, let's don't kill him. Y'all don't do that. Let's throw him in this pit to win figure out what to do with him. So they stripped him of his garment. They stripped him of what his father had given him. The world stripped it. You see what happens sometimes is what some of the things that God's given you, the world's going to try to take it from you. They're going to try to strip it off of you. I'm just throwing that in there. I'm letting you know. And he was thrown in there. And then the Ishmaelites come riding by. He's probably in Cadillacs. I don't know what they's in. They come riding by. We're going to have fun with this. Y'all loosen up just a little bit. It'll be all right. Right? I ain't stepping on nobody's toes this morning. We're going to have fun with this one. We've got to pay attention to some things, all right? Israelites come riding by. Now he said, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's sell the little wanderer to him. Let's take his coat, tear it up, put goat's blood on it, go back and tell daddy something got him. So that's what they did. They sold him to the Ishmaelites. Ishmaelites then tear, took, took him on to uh, Egypt and sold him there. And he was sold into slavery, Joseph was, for 20 pieces of silver. Y'all know Jesus was sold into slavery? What is slavery? John, Paul tells us, if you, if, you read, if you read the New Testament, Paul wrote to seven different churches, letters to them. Every one of them talks about being a bondservant to sin. It helps explain to us about how we are a slave to sin. Jesus took our place. He who knew no sin was made sin, stripped of his garment, held naked before the world in all shame to take mine and your place. Sold into slavery. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Let me show you how far the Bible goes to prove the types and models. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. That was the price of a potter's field then. At the time of Jesus, he was sold for 30 pieces of silver, which was the price of a potter's field then. The Bible goes so far even to replace inflation, to make it fit perfect. Is that not something? I just throw that in for free. But it's something to, it's something to recognize that God don't, God don't play. This stuff is perfect, right? But he was sold into slavery. Jesus was sold into slavery. He had to go to the lowest parts to be able to take our place. You see, we're sold into slavery too. We're a bond servant to sin. A lot of folks don't understand that. You know, when the Bible said, he who's free is free indeed, Jesus sets us free. 
The truth shall set you free. When I was growing up, the truth would get you a whooping. It might get you fired. Might make you have to pay a fine. I don't know. I wasn't too crazy about the truth. The truth wasn't setting me free. But then the word, then spirit finally gave me an understanding when I actually pursued it to understand what it was talking about. We're no longer a bond servant to sin. You're no longer a servant of sin once you've been born again. Y'all with me? You know what happens? Now you have the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer. Paul wrote these letters. Paul was beside himself at the benefit that you and I have of having the Holy Spirit with us 24-7. The revelator of the word. He was just beside himself of that. And you have it with you. And it makes you free. How? Because now you are free to choose. You see, when sin lies at the door, now you're no longer a bondservant to it. You don't see the world just sin. They don't know to sin it. They don't care if they're sinning. Right? But now when you've been born again, now the Holy Spirit reflects to you what is sin and what isn't. And then when that time comes up, then the Holy Spirit reveals to you, and then it's your choice whether you do or not. You see, I asked earlier service, I said, can you, once you've been born again, I want y'all to pay attention to what I'm finna say. Once you've been born again, can you live the rest of your life without sinning? Actually, you can. You could. It's your choice. Because now you have the Holy Spirit living within you. You have the very spirit that, lay, that raised Jesus. I'm, listen to me this morning, folks. The voice that said, let there be, that created everything you've ever seen or ever will see, ever been, ever been made or created, that spirit is one that raised him up out of the place that he went to take your place. Y'all with me? You can live the rest of your life from there on out without sinning. It's your choice. Boy, that's strong right there, ain't it? That's strong. I know the part whenever Jesus, there's one part in the Bible I wish never said. I like to edit it out. I like to just go in there and just take my black magic marker and just edit it out. And that's the part that Jesus said, when I ascend to the Father and the Holy Spirit ascends on you, you will be able to do greater things than I did. The voice that said, let there be. God, I almost preached for a minute. I didn't even mean to preach. I'm, I'm just teaching. Let's look at the next one. Exalted by God. He was exalted. Joseph was exalted by God. Even when he was in prison, when he was, doing, when he was going through all these things of life, God was moving him up the ladder. He even moved him up the ladder enough that he was in the big man's house, and then his wife told a lie on him that got him thrown back in jail again. He was falsely accused. No, Jesus was falsely accused, right? Another type, another model. He was falsely accused, put back in prison. But why is he in prison? He saved a life. Y'all remember that part? You had the baker and the butler when, the, when, the, when he interpreted dreams. Another model on top. I'll just throw in for you for free. Joseph had the butler and baker on, one, on each side of him. One of them was condemned, one wasn't. Jesus was crucified between two, two thieves. One of them was condemned, one wasn't. Another model, another type. 
A lot of things playing out. Also, another model and type. The baker was the one of bread. Jesus said, my body is bread indeed. Right? My body would be broken for you. The butler died. I mean, the baker died. The butler is the one who, who served the wine. The wine was representation of the blood. He said, you live through the blood. The, the butler is the one that lived. Another model, another type. That stuff is great, folks. Just get in there and read it. It's easy. Right? I love it. Joseph was exalted by God all the way up in the ranks, all the way up to when he interpreted dreams for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh put him in a high place so that he could oversee the good years compared to the bad years of famine to overcome those years. Joseph did that. He was exalted by the Father to those places. You know, Jesus was exalted by the Father, was he not? We just talked about it. He took our place. He died on the cross. He went to the pits of hell to preach. He was raised back up, and he raised and ascended, ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's been exalted. God will exalt you too. We all will be when we trust in him. Y'all with me? All right, let's look at this one. After all this is over with, this took years, okay? After all this was over with, Joseph was able to save his family. They went in to Egypt, a family of 70. You have to look at the numbers again. 70 is a, is a powerful number. They went in as a family of 70. They come out a nation of millions because of Joseph, because of one man holding to the dreams that God gave him. We now have the nation of Israel. And they come out as a powerful nation. But in the process of doing that, after all that was done, when they all went in and they was delegated out, got their own lands, got their own stuff, the brothers apologized. They apologized to him. Said, man, we're sorry. Right? You know, sometimes... Sometimes, you know, the, the world hates us, right? I mean, think about it. The, 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 world, the world hates us. That, there's only two things, and, and even in America right now, there's only, there's only two people in America right now that can be legally discriminated against, and that's a smoker and a Christian. Just think about it. That's only two. That's only two left, right? But when they apologized, this is what Joseph told them. But as for you, you thought evil against me. You thought it of being evil against me, but God meant it unto good. You see, God's got a greater plan, right? God's smarter than the average bear. Y'all with me? He knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. God's got a great plan for us. God's got a great plan for liberty. He's got a great plan for your family. He's got a great plan for you individually. But you're going to have to remember a few things. You're going to have to remember that God loves you. The Father loves you. You've got to remember, you've been sold into slavery. The world hates you. But God will exalt you. He will raise you up when the time's right. 
He said, God meant for it to be good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. You see, Joseph knew that he had to go through this stuff in order to save others. You know, some of the things we have to go through, but if it'll save others, it's worth it, folks. Let's lay up that treasure in heaven Keith's been talking about. That's what it's about. But let me show you something. Let's look at our very last thing. Can y'all read that? Our conviction is not everyone's obligation. If we can grab that, if we can just get a hold that our conviction isn't everybody else's obligation, then you can do something. You know why? Because if you're not careful, you want everybody to watch you cut the grass. And they ain't going to. They sure ain't going to do it in the rain. And you think, well, at least somebody ought to come over and hold an umbrella under me. They ought to run around while I'm riding that lawnmower and hold an umbrella over me. That sounds stupid, don't it? But I'm telling you, is that not what we want sometimes when we have convictions, when we have callings, whenever God calls us to do something, asks us to do something? We want everybody to jump on the bandwagon. Well, guess what? Ain't everybody going to jump on the bandwagon. Something I've learned after being part of the leadership of Liberty. Pastor Keith, Curtis, Jim, and myself, we get to see everything. We get to see it all. We know wherever little back, everything is happening in the background. It takes a lot of folks to run something like this. There's a lot of folks working so we can be here right now. The media team, praise God for them. You know, just like this morning, whenever the power went out, I just knew that all that computer stuff went kaplunk. And I'm going to have to go find my paper and I'm going to have to do it the old-fashioned way. Boy, I'd be a stumbling and a mumbling in. I had to find my glasses and everything. Go on, baby, see. Brother Chris McCorder, Chris and Amber McCorder. Praise God. He cuts my study time in half by being able to set up my screens and do all this stuff for me. Helps me out tremendously. The praise team. You know, sometimes if we ain't careful, we think the praise team just gets up here on Sunday and just starts singing the little hearts out. Hey, there's a lot that goes into all that. They got a little thing in their ear. I don't know what's going on in there, right? But they all get and say, they have to come up here and practice. Bob and Tracy Clark, thank you. Rob gets a new guitar about every week. God's been blessing him. I get a Benelli shotgun, he gets a guitar. Love the man to death. He's a good job on it. Right? Haley and Natalie. Stephen and Jennifer, thank you. 
It takes a lot to do it. They got to get up here and practice. And now next week, we're throwing them in the, we're throwing them under the bus. Next week, they don't even get to get in here and get all do all of it before the second service because the first service is going to be in here. So we throw them under the bus again. But they'll handle it. Why? They're anointed. The children workers, praise God for them. I have a hard enough time fooling around kids around the house. You're going to put 70 of them back there? That I can't whoop? That's not my part. Right? I'll just be cutting grass in the rain. Gifted, talented folks, thank you. Chris Lawrence, Cindy Hill that runs them, thank you. Pastor Keith and Kelly, thank you. You know, I don't see how he does it. I, I get to preach a couple times a year. It takes me a month to set that. Well, it took me a month to set this up. Keith, that's good. Wait, I don't know how he does it. Anointed, right? Anointed man. All these things. But you know what'll happen? If you're not real careful, you'll want to quit because people don't jump on the bandwagon with you. God called me to be a teacher. I ain't no preacher, but he called me to be a teacher. It seemed like every time I ever taught a class, wouldn't nobody show up. I remember one time over at the old, over at the old building, I, it was like my second time I was going to teach a class. Oh, man, I'm the big teacher. Well, teach me a Wednesday night class. Then nobody show up. I said, uh, maybe they didn't get the word. So we're going to try to make sure everybody gets the word next week. Then nobody show up. Tick me off. I take my halo off, man. I'm telling you the truth, right? It's aggravating sometimes when the, I done went through. I done, I done had this perfect little, little teaching plan all figured out. I done had it memorized, on. So I was ready to take some folks, and they didn't show up. Kick me off. I said, I tell you what I'll do. Next time I'm gonna come in here. I'm gonna bring my bass boat with me. I'm gonna have my bass boat hooked up to me. And then if don't nobody show up, I'm just gonna go down to the lake and go fishing. Well, guess what? Our associate pastor at the time, Shannon Pathoon, he told me, he said, you don't do that, son. He called me down right quick. He said, don't get up there and say stupid stuff like that. He said, beg them to come. Beg them to come. I said, I ain't begging nobody. Beg them to come. Now, we're starting a class next week called Spiritual Warfare. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right quick. My wife, the woman I'm with, you know, I'm with, I'm, I'm with the girl, right? She'll be doing most of the teaching. So don't let it scare you off. Y'all come to it, all right? I might help a little bit, but we'll give you forewarning, right? Beg them to come. But you know what happens sometimes? You get all messed up, mad, you'll be wanting to quit. I was talking about Brother Curtis Snyder at the earlier service. Uh, he's administrator of the church. Thank you, Curtis, for what you do. God, I wouldn't want to do it. Curtis used to run the U.S. government, administrator of it. 
Now he does Liberty Church. He said Liberty Church is a whole lot harder to do than the government is. You know how screwed up that place is. Right? I said, thank you, Curtis, for what you do. Brother Jim, Jim Pospar, y'all need to thank that man when you see him. All the stuff he does, all I got to keep up with is what's in my billfold. He's got to keep up with this whole operation. And, if, and I'm not going to knock out no numbers with you this morning, but if you've seen how much it costs to run this place, it costs a lot. There's a lot to it. Stephen's putting up with me right now. He still just got to keep on playing because he ain't got a clue when his redneck's going to quit. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank all y'all. It takes a lot to run this place. Rod and Diana Harris, thank you for what you do. God, they go to Africa. I do not want to go to Africa. God might send me there, but I don't want to go there. I like being in Alabama. Things in Alabama runs from you. They're scared of you. Stuff over in Africa wants to eat you, including some of the people. Thank you for what you do. You are blessed by God. Not everybody's going to jump on your bandwagon. Sometimes you're going to want to quit. Has everybody always jumped on your bandwagon? No, they hadn't. But you've stuck it out. Thank you for it. Lord, y'all taking over the youth. <laughs> Bless them. All I'm saying. Bless them. All these things that y'all do. Thank you. Michelle Shadden, thank you. Trying to look around and say, I, I know I leave somebody. I think I need to give me a little Oscar. It's like a one Oscar. I got to thank all these folks, right? I don't know. Maybe I have one, one. Thank you. But it's not always been easy. You'll want to quit. Lay up treasures in heaven. But it ain't going to be easy. Everything you're going to do, the world's going to come against you. going to try to knock you down. The devil's going to say you ain't worth it. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to have to go through a time. You're going to have to be taken out of your comfort zone. This past week, I was taken out of my comfort zone. I've been at Marshall Space Flight Center working with NASA for 21 years. I've been at Test Stand 115 for 14 years. They moved me to Test Stand 500 last week. I ain't got a clue about that place. I'm lost as last year's Easter egg. And it's like I'm having to go through my prison. I'm having to go through a time. I've been taken out of my comfort zone. And I'm having to go through another place, another time, another era even. It's a whole completely different process of what I'm used to. My helper knows more about the place than I do. And I'm supposed to be lead over it. I don't know why the government does stupid stuff like that, but they do. They move you around, right? I was taken out of my comfort zone, but you know what I had to do? I've been, I've been, I've been working on this for, the long, for, for a while now. And the Spirit finally revealed to me, he said, son, you're living out what you're preaching. He said, are you going to hold on to your comfort zone, or are you going to trust in me? Because sometimes i got to move you to a place. You see, Abraham was taken out of his own place. 
in order to be moved to a place to God's country. I'm ready to come out of my country. I'm ready to go to God's country. Y'all with me? Don't get discouraged. Well, no, let me back it up. You'll probably get discouraged. But when you do, hold on to the very thing that puts you there. Hold on to God. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to the Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hold on. Hold on as tight as you can hold. And ride it out. Because when the storm's coming, they do. Jesus is going to be asleep in the bottom of the boat. Just go down there and lay down with him. Don't go wake him up. Just go down and lay down with him. And when there's people at the feet of Jesus as Mary was, and you're in the place of Martha, don't go over and try to kick them out of their place to make them come over and help you. But God will give you the things you need to do your job with. And sometimes I just have to say, yes, sir. I just have to shut up and say, yes, sir. Because it's not always easy. Everybody always makes it out trying to make it sound like it's easy. It ain't easy. I know sometimes with the praise team, they get up here and they got everything all ready and they went through all the hard work. They've done all the things they want to do and something electronic wants to mess up. They get all tore up. I get tore up with them. I don't know nothing about electronics, thank goodness. But it works out. Because you know what I always told Jennifer? I always try to tell her every time. I say, I say, dummies like me out here don't know what's supposed to be going on out here. Y'all do a great job. Just do it. Right? We're praising God. We're going to let the Spirit flow. And it don't matter what the devil tries to do to it. The Spirit going to flow. Y'all with me? All right, time me to shut up. Y'all stand up. Remember something. God loves you. The world hates you, but God will exalt you. And not, it's not everyone's obligation to fulfill your conviction. But when you do it, and you do it with a smile, and you do it with love, then all of a sudden, people will start jumping on your bandwagon. You know why? Because they'll say, I want what they got. But when we're grouchy and fussy about it, and we're saying that we'll just go bass fishing, don't nobody show up? Ain't nobody gonna show up. I said, well, if he's gonna go bass fishing, teach me, well, I'll just go bass fishing, right? Think about it, right? But when you do it with love and compassion and caring, because you know what? As Pastor Keith told us this many times, the world doesn't matter. what They don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And that is a powerful, awesome statement. Four minutes early. <laughs> Y'all turn around, hug somebody, tell them you love them in the Lord, and y'all dismissed.